Hello, and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Joey. Usually on Affable Chat, we dive as deep as we can into a topic of our choosing, and we normally talk about movies. Today is not an exception. Today, I've brought dedicated Matt Johnson evangelist B on to talk about a very special movie. Say hello, B. Hello, B. <laughs> Perfect. You've already gotten to the spirit of things because the movie we're doing today is The Dirties. The point is, isn't this wicked? Yes. School shooting. <laughs> the catcher in the rye theme school shooting. It's like we're planning a prom. This is a dramatic best friends meta found footage comedy. The director is Matt Johnson and the cast is Matt Johnson and all his friends. I watched this on Amazon. Uh, B, how did you watch this? I've watched it many ways over the years, but this time I watched it on Prime Video through Amazon. <laughs> many ways over the years. <laughs> but you have a you have a physical copy of this movie? Yes, I do. I um, bought like a bootleg Blu-ray of it on Amazon without realizing it. And then I tweeted like, you know, oh man, the Blu-ray of this kind of sucks. And then one of the, I forget who it was. It was like one of the producers like DM'd me and he was like, hey, sorry, you got a bootleg. You want a cool version? So I have like a limited run Blu-ray now. What? Yeah. What? That's amazing. Cool. <laughs> that is really cool. Does it, uh, so I read that it has... Like one of the special features is the movie that those kids are making at the beginning of the. Uh... Yeah, it's um, it's like Matt and Owen, and um, I think Jay's there too. Um, who plays Mr. Bird, the guitar teacher? Yeah, yeah. I'll talk about him later. Um, but um, I believe it's them and some of the other crew do like a table reading of it, basically, like in oh, their wow. house, and so they're just read through. There's some piano accompaniment. Um, it's very fun. There's also a version on the Blu-ray that's like the actual quote-unquote gutted version that's shown in the school but it's the actual dirty short film that matt and owen make is oh, on the blu-ray that's funny there's like five or six different commentary tracks that are all like matt johnson and owen and like you know like some of the producers and directors there's so many commentary tracks it's a treasure trove of extra details that i will have to try not to bring up but they're very <laughs> dear to me <laughs> no that's what you're here for b is to bring it all up Okay, before we start our analysis of the dirties, we'll begin uh, summarizing the events succinctly in our special 60-second synopsis. If you'd like to skip the synopsis, just scrub ahead 60 seconds right now. Two high school best friends, Matt and Owen, are making a movie about killing the dirties, a gang of bullies in their school. But when they show their teacher the footage, he forces them to cut out the gun violence and cursing so it's appropriate for class. Matt can't stand having his creative vision edited, so he embarks on creating a sequel, but this time the violence will be real. Owen has a crush on a girl in his class, and Matt helps them start to flirt, even establishing elaborate soundscapes over the phone. Owen unwillingly watches as Matt methodically plans his domestic terrorist attack, plotting routes and schedules and even taking pictures of his targets. As the date approaches, Owen tries to tell his friend that he's insane, but Matt doesn't seem to understand or care. He shows up at the school early, sets up his cameras, and when he sees the dirties in the hallway, he starts blasting. He finds Owen cowering in the classroom and asks him what's wrong. The end. Okay, there you have it. Very succinct uh, events here. Um, but first, uh, we'll start off with our pros and cons. B, what did you like about the dirties? Um, well, I mean, one of the bullet points I have here is literally just everything. So that kind of gives away my takes on it. Um, 
I guess on a rewatch, um, the things that really stood out to me this time around were I've already I've always been a fan of the cinematography, like the way that the shots are framed in this movie. It's very unique um, and very sort of like impossible, but seemingly intentional in its impossibility. Yeah, I'm just a big fan of how it's edited, how it's acted, um, especially knowing that the majority of the movie, like dialogue wise, is improv. It's very free throw free flowing um and so yeah it's just it's hard for me to pick something that i don't like i managed to but pretty much everything (laughs) is on my pros list yeah this movie is very special to you which we'll talk about in a second um but the the improv doesn't just extend to the actors right there's also lots of people who didn't even know they were going to be in a movie that are in this movie yeah um it was very that's sort of um a calling card of the team that's behind that it's sort of very into the guerrilla filmmaking sort of style um and a lot of the extras pretty much anyone i mean as far as i'm aware most people who don't have speaking roles or aren't like prominently featured in frame are actual just students of the school that they were filming within. So they had a lot of people, um, you know, as extras that were actual teachers and students and, you know, janitorial staff or whatever um, that were, you know, just there to flesh out the environment. That's crazy. Uh, what about that girl that's at the, uh, at the party, like at the bonfire party where they're asking about the cake plan? She not, did not seem like she was in a movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm not 100% sure, but it definitely, if she's aware that she's in a movie, she's very good at pretending she doesn't know she's in a movie. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was like some of the her, most natural sounding yeah. conversation I've ever heard and in a movie, It's a very honestly. natural, um, unintentional lampshading of the fact that she is in a movie, which yeah. again, if she knows, it adds a whole other layer to it. <laughs> For me, uh, this movie is freaky, freaky, freaky. <laughs> um, Amazon's description of this movie is uh, drama, cerebral, frightening, and serious. And I, I think I totally agree with those things. This is It's very strange, but its construction and tone are really interesting and really powerful. And I think it's both disturbing and in some ways comforting. And I also thought it was really funny. I was laughing really hard at some of the jokes in this movie. Yeah, I did notice... Um in the beginning when you were listing the genres the way that you describe it really might not let people know exactly what they're getting into which i kind of like (laughs) because you just called it a dramatic best friends meta found footage comedy yeah that's the genre there's lots of movies like that right Pete? yeah friends friends making movies together and making movies about making movies and it's just a comedy (laughs) and nothing bad happens (laughs) yeah i would i've described it before as like the most pitch black black comedy that you could possibly fathom in the form mm. of a um, mockumentary. So you know, there it's a it's a found footage documentary thing. It's aware it's a found footage documentary. It's making fun of the fact that it's a found footage documentary, and it starts out as just like a you know slightly dark comedy with like you know occasional slurs thrown around and you know things maybe not being super on the up and up, um, and then it just continues and continues and continues and then eventually you're like why am i feeling like so anxious that i'm nauseous nothing's happening yet and then things happen and you're like oh i guess that makes sense i was right to feel this way yeah Yeah, i it's hard to think of a subject more bleak but um i do think that i do think it succeeds i think that there's that there's that tone of 
there's like this lighthearted tone that's going along with it. Where like you have you're with these best friends that are just hanging out, and then there is like the stark reality of what Matt is doing and planning. Um, and I think those two things act as some sort of dissonance, make the movie very interesting. It's one of those things that's like it's like a blurry photograph where like the more you look at it, the like you can't quite make anything out of it. But like you start to see all sorts of strange patterns uh, arising, and it's amazing when you start realizing that all of it's intentional. Well, I mean, I feel like I feel like it makes you in almost every way Owen. Like right. you feel I mean, he's just an incredible character in my opinion, because you can really see and I mean, again, to the point of the cast being Matt's friends, Owen, um, real name of the actor is also Owen Williams. Um oh. I believe still is, but definitely at the time was literally a high school English teacher who was not an actor and met Matt, like, I want to say a couple of weeks before filming. So a lot of the back and forth and a lot of like the confusion and just slow, like, oh God, he's serious about this. It's like, it's, it's really amazing how well he's able to convey that. Like the face journeys that he goes on in this movie, I never would have guessed before like looking into the movie that he had no prior um, like acting experience that I could find. He just genuinely is able to really make people empathetic and put you um, in his shoes. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's strong writing and it is strong acting together, but okay. Before we go much further, what are some things that you didn't like about the dirties? Um, so I think that, one thing that stuck out to me a little bit more this rewatch is the interview segment with the students and teachers like in the school where they're like, Hey, tell us about bullying or whatever. Um, It kind of, the more I watch the movie, I think I love the movie so much, especially as it proceeds that that beginning part kind of, it doesn't flow as well to me. It feels a tiny bit out of place. It feels a little bit like even within the story of the movie, like they're filming this for class you don't really see that footage incorporated in any way for the student film. So I don't really, I don't know. I think it was a good way to get like authentic student and teacher opinions and reactions as part of the, like to drive the social commentary of the movie, but that kind of sticks out a little bit. And then otherwise, literally the only thing that I would change throughout the entire movie is the bit where Matt is doing blackface for like (laughs) 30 seconds. And then there's like a really nice heartwarming scene, but that like still is frozen on the screen behind it. So I can't even like post screenshots of like, oh, look at Matt and Owen talking about the the crush on Chrissy (laughs) in that note, because there's just (laughs) Matt in the background. But I will say devil's advocate here. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that it's good. And I don't think that you're supposed to think it's good obviously i do think that it really helps to sell one of the things that i love the most about this movie which is how authentically it captures just shitty film dudes guys who base their entire personality on film and they don't understand you know you know not to jump too far ahead but you know fiction and reality and how to make decisions about representing things responsibly And I I just feel like, you know, on top of all the language and the, the, you know, violence and bullying between the characters, it feels like a very genuine high school experience. And I feel like him choosing to do that for the student film in character 
feels very in character. So I wouldn't say I would change it in the sense that like it's inaccurate or even that it takes away or doesn't serve the character. It's just, um, I already have a hard enough time recommending this movie to people. <laughs> and I mean, to be like, yeah, so it's a dark right. comedy. It's about school things. Also, heads up, there's like this one part. It's like, it's a petty thing to be bothered by. But like, well, it's not petty, but you know what I mean. It's like. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like this is not important. Like, this is not why I like the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not important. To the whole but like thing. I, you, might, you might even not even notice that he does this, but yeah, but I is... sure did, and I feel like you know, showing this to anyone, I'm like, please just pretend, just start look away for this part. Yeah, and for the record, I feel like you know, also this movie it came out in 2013. It was in production in like 2012. Not that people didn't know that that was bad at that time, but I think that the culture has shifted in a certain way that I doubt it would be done the same exact way now. So sure. I like I like to in many ways. I've joked with some friends that the dirties is a period piece because it's so <laughs> deeply 2013 in so many ways. And so I I feel like that is also an element of it. So that's my um very tentative argument that, you know, I see why it happened. I wish it wasn't there, but you know, I yeah, yeah. I don't think that it means that he was doing that and thinks that it's good and that everyone should do that because I don't think he also did this movie to show that school shootings are good. Right, right. Yeah. Which is, I think, is pretty obvious. Yeah, yes. they're just edgy kids, right? Edgy exactly. Film kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm glad that um, I don't know any film bros out there that might have film podcasts where they talk about movies all day. Yeah, just the worst. Yeah. That's, I can't stand those people. I, um, I would definitely love to show this movie to one of them and just watch them squirm. <laughs> Maybe one day you'll get that dream V. <laughs> yeah, someday. Um, okay, so uh, for my cons, I, I, I'm kind of echoing what you've just said, which is that if someone told me that they hated this movie, I don't know if I could convince them that it has any redeeming qualities. Um, not that... I don't think it has redeeming qualities, just that I feel like it's touching on something that's very raw. And it I think it makes a lot of people very uncomfortable. I think it's sort of the the definition of like you either get this movie or you don't. And I don't mean that in like a, you know, oh, if you don't like the movie, you don't get it. You're not smart right. enough. But it's like this movie is either gonna you're either gonna be like, man, that kind of sucked, or you're gonna be like my life is ruined now that I watched this, but like in a good way, <laughs> like I'm never going to stop thinking about this movie. It's, um, it, it is like, it's, it's, it's disturbing. I think, you know, a uh, haunting. And I think might be a good term to describe it. And I think for, I don't know. I, I there's a lot of positive reviews out there, right. For this movie, it has ge like generally positive reviews. And I think it handles the subject very in a very interesting way and i think it does a, i think it does a good job actually but i do think that it's possible someone could watch this and be like this is the worst movie i've ever seen and i don't i don't want to think about it ever again and um and this is why i was happy that you watched blackberry first <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's i know i'm not i feel like i just you know I feel like it's just going to turn some people off which is which is kind of a shame because i think it does have some interesting things to say so i think it's it's uh it is interesting. The, the way that you describe this movie to me, B, is like, I have to warn you, it's about a school shooting. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, oh, that's, that's surprising. 
but I didn't realize how much about a school shooting it would be. <laughs> I didn't realize it was like the whole, that was the whole thing it was like him planning it and like thinking about it and then like doing it. You know, but I like, thought it was just go, like, if you go happen. any, if you go any further into a plot summary, then Oh, it's like a dark comedy and it's about a school shooting. If you go any further into right. it, it's not that it ruins the movie, but like it's it's so like there is no better summary about it than it's about a school shooting because it's both about thematically a school shooting and it's about like the process and like the concept and like it's if there's one thing the movie is about, it's about school shootings and the things right. that may contribute to them. Um, you know, the way that public reacts to them, um, you know, true crime ethics as a whole. I mean, you could, I could go on. And I will. We're about to go on. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let, let's move on to our overall section. So um, th- this is, this is how I became aware of this movie is I was visiting B and her family and uh, it was for like a holiday and we we're sitting down and we were talking about movies and I, I must have mentioned that I had, uh, I started a, a movie podcast called Affable Chat. You're listening to it right now. Please and... consider listening. <laughs> Thank you, V. And um, V is like, oh, um, that's great. Like have, like there's this movie that I think would be really fun to do for a podcast. And I'm like, oh, what is it? You know, I'm thinking that you're going to recommend me something, you know, um, obscure, but like not unheard of. Right. Um uh, Dr. Parnassus's uh, Imagitarium, whatever that movie's called. And, you know, something uh, kind of a little off the wall. And then you're like, oh, have you ever heard of The Dirties? And I'm like, no, I've never heard of this movie. So you you talked about it, like, very passionately. And then at some point you mentioned, like, oh, the only thing is, like, it's about a school shooting. And, yeah, like I said, I didn't really know what that meant um, until I actually watched it. So that was, what, four or five years ago. We're unsure of the exact date. But finally, we're back around to here. Uh, B has slowly wormed her way into convincing me to watch Matt Johnson movies. We did Blackberry earlier this year, and now we're doing his... This is like his debut, right? Yeah, this was his first... Yeah, so, I mean, he sort of did some web series stuff um, with... Um, again, the guy that plays the guitar teacher, Jay, is he's a musician, a composer, and he also was in a web series with Matt called Nirvana the Band the Show. It got picked up as well into like a TV series for Vice Canada. Right. Um, they're still, it's like in production slash licensing hell for season three because I think that the studio kind of like imploded like right when they were finishing <laughs> that up. So there was no one to like have the rights to it. But. Anyway, so that's sort of where we got to start with like internet sketch comedy sort of thing. Um, And it's very much, I mean, the premise of that show is like, you know, guy who has a seemingly normal goal, but then like has just the worst way of going about it possible. He's like, I want to, you know, play a a concert at this venue. So we're going to... um, like pretend to be bank robbers and we're going to use the dead bodies of the actual robbers as hostages. And then we throw them off the roof and we demand that, you know, we get um, a show at the Rivoli as like our, our um, negotiation piece. Perfectly logical. Yeah. So like, I mean, making a movie, I mean, that's from the TV show, which I believe was shortly after the movie, but still it's, it's um, he's said before that a lot of his characters are sort of just him playing himself, but like dialed to 11 and you can kind of 
which I mean, hell of a thing to say about yourself when your first movie is about planning a school shooting to be like, yeah, my characters are all basically just me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but um, so yeah, he, this was his first like movie. It was a budget of like, you know, basically nothing. They spent way more on the music licensing than the actual production. It only actually really way got more. any legs wow. because Kevin Smith happened to see it at a film festival and was like, this is really good. I think school shootings are bad too. And he like told everyone to go see it basically. <laughs> um, and like got like rights to distribute it, um, you know, beyond just like a really small thing um, for festival circuits and sort of the rest is history. People then saw the movie and were also like, wow, school shootings are bad. Also this Matt Johnson guy is kind of cool. And then it kind of, you know, grew from there. And now he's making movies with Carrie Elwes in them. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> That's what an incredible summary production of this movie, according to Wikipedia says it's $10,000. And as you just mentioned, the additional $45,000 is needed to secure licensing licensing rights for the music used in the film. So um, four and a half times or yeah, like four and a half times the, uh, the budget was spent on um, just the music licensing, which is really insane um, that they're able to make this so cheap and uh and all of that. So yeah, it's a, uh, um, it is, it is quite a story and I think it does deserve the accolades. I'm glad that Kevin Smith recognized for the craft it has, I think, cause I think it is, I think it's very interesting. I think it's very well made too, but what about this movie speaks to you personally, B? Why did it, why do you feel like it touched you so much when you saw it? Hmm, I mean, so when I first saw it, I, I don't know. I think that I, I found it initially because I was watching um there was a youtuber that i kind of watched at the time i don't really watch anymore i've kind of you know drifted away from that um particular creator the movie that came out after this um by matt johnson called operation avalanche had just come out recently and so he was doing some stuff at like festivals and stuff like promoting that and so this youtube creator who i followed got like an interview with him it's just like them hanging out in a hotel room talking about it and i think i watched the interview before i watched the movie and it was just really I, I could tell instantly, like, not only did sort of the dark and dry sense of humor sort of come out there that I was fam familiar with from the creator I was watching and then, you know, echoed in the movie. Um, but I sort of was watching it and there was just something about the way that it was discussed and the way that, like, the fact that a topic like this was being handled in the way that it was, that it was like, you know, a serious issue and it seemed like it was being taken seriously, but there was also just this really sort of dark, like comedic edge to it that I was mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm 16 and this is deep. I'll watch this. <laughs> and so like I, I went and found the movie and watched it. And more than anything, I feel like just, yeah, it just sort of is so absorbing and I feel like it plays with the medium of, film and found footage in a really really interesting way a lot of reviews that i see talk a lot about you know the no pun intended but the elephant in the room um but um <laughs> they're um that's a, that's a reference to the the columbine movie right um yeah it's um by i believe it's gus van sant um matt's yes, shirt elephant. matt's shirt in the movie the the yellow one with the black animal on it is a direct reference to the outfit that the main character wears so it's there there's you know true crime allegory and film allegory and references run deep in this movie but 
so a lot of people will talk about the thematic, like that thematic center of it, but I feel like there's a lot more that people don't really touch on for various reasons. And one thing that I find really compelling is just the implications of it being a found footage movie. Um, I've seen several different, there seems to be different cuts of the movie or different like, you know, streaming services will have different versions of it. But the one that I first watched and the one that I just rewatched now on um, Prime Video, the very beginning of the movie is like clearly a guy filming a laptop screen and it like has like the production company logo come up and stuff. And then there's a thing that says like, you know, um, for respect for the victims, like a, a fake, like, you know, based on true events type thing, like true, cli- true crime disclaimer thing on it. But I remember seeing that first moment where I saw that like someone's head was reflected in it. And I remember being like, is this like a, like a bad like cam rip of the movie? Did I click on the wrong thing? Is this not like, how did this get? But it's intentional and it's woven into the narrative that it's found footage but it also continually sort of tests the limits of found footage and the logic of that filmmaking, but in a way that it kind of lulls you into a false sense of security. Like you're watching and you're like, oh yeah, they're referencing that they have like the lav mics and, you know, oh, the audio peaks when he puts his face down by his shirt and like, oh, that's kind of funny or whatever. And, you know, like they're, you know, in the hallway and like, oh, there's a fight happening. So the camera guy kind of like ducks behind a corner and peeks around the film and you're like, okay, that makes sense it gradually starts to become more and more fantastical where it's like, okay, there's a shot here and he's filming like through the windows of the house and like, why? Like, yeah, logically that makes sense, but also like what a bizarre choice. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, there'll be like, there's a scene in the cafeteria where the bullies are confronting Owen because he dared to like, you know, bump into one of them and make him drop a fruit cup or something. And like, there's shots that are like in the hallway and then it cuts to like a reverse shot from behind Owen. And it's not like addressed at all within the text of the film. It's still only ever they, they name the, the cameraman Jared, who by the way, actual name of the actual cinematographer who's filming is Jared Rob. So another sort of meta element to it. But I just found it really, really fascinating that it, it deliberately sets itself up as found footage like sort of bleeds at the edges of it. Like, you know, it it feels like it's sort of stretching it and you kind of get lost in it and you don't really care. But then just as you're getting lulled into it, Matt like turns directly to the camera and he's like, hey, you want some popcorn? Because he's talking to the camera guy. The camera guy reaches over and grabs popcorn and you're like, that's right, this is a found footage movie. And then you get sucked back in. And so it just continually sort of pulls at that for you and it plays with I guess the medium of film like there's like editing within the film and it actually like it actually like um plays you know, a role in the plot development actually because yeah, it, it Matt actually, showing Owen one of the montages leads Owen to the like to believe that Matt is actually going to do the the shooting right he's like what are, wait what are you doing what are you doing with this blueprints exactly yeah and like the the <laughs> Like it actually ends up confronting sort of a a logical fallacy in a lot of found footage movies, which is like, well, how is this edited? How is there credits on the end of this found footage movie? It's like Matt's rendering the credits and he turns to the camera and he's like, yeah, I'm going to render this, but you're going to need to like stick it on the end. And you're it's like a very funny moment, but it's also a dark like, oh, he knows he's not coming back. Right. He knows he's not going to be the one to publish this. And so it's it's just this really fascinating 
I don't know. I think that that's one of the elements that I feel is under discussed about the movie. People very rightfully have a lot to say about like the ethics of true crime. And is the cameraman, you know, complicit? And I'm over here like, is the cameraman real? Is Jared (laughs) real? We don't know. Like, I mean, half the stuff that's filmed, it's like, you know, logistically, if it was found footage, it makes no sense for it to be there. And yet it's there and it's continually reinforced that it is found footage and it's just one guy with the camera. So it's like, it's just very interesting to me that that's under discussed a bit, I think, in critiques of the movie. So, okay. Um, There's like, I feel like there's there's a lot of answers to this question, but do you feel like, like, why do you feel like found footage is the right medium here, right? Obviously, Matt Johnson is a filmmaker obsessed with making movies, right? And part of the part of the dirties is the process of creating something, specifically a movie, right? And so it makes sense that he would be sort of obsessed with this idea of like filming himself. But there's also this, what found footage does, right? Like Blair Witch Project or like Cloverfield or something, right? Any of those movies is um, the found footage element is also somewhat fantastical, right? But it is mostly to draw the audience in, right? It's a way of making you feel like you're inside of the horror. You know, you're not outside of it. It's like a way of making it feel like you're kind of at a point of view kind of thing, right? So, like, what, like, why do you think that this movie needs found footage to be a uh, to be its medium? Um, I think it does have a lot to do with the themes that it's addressing. I think that, um, you know. I guess just for example, um, during the sequence where they go up to the gun range and they're like in the truck on the way up and, you know, it's showing them in the back and they're playing with the guns or whatever. And it cuts to Matt in the front, um, like driving. And he like sort of looks at the camera and makes this weird pose and like looks very dramatic and whatever. And like, you know, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, he's goofing off for the camera. By the time I watched it next, I don't remember if I just had gotten fully into my true crime phase and knew this or if it was just reinforced by the trivia that, like, you know, I I read about. It's a direct allusion to, like, the the basement tapes from, like, um, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold. Like, it's like the Columbine shooters. Like, it's it's like a direct reference to that. And so, and what are those tapes if not two kids making a movie and like literally capturing the planning and nearly the execution of like a horrible, horrible thing. So much of true crime and so much of the coverage of, you know, shootings or other tragedies is based on, you know, they don't have like, you know, film, (laughs) they don't have like film studios at schools all the time, just waiting for something to happen it's always like a cell phone recording coming out from someone or like, you know, someone is uploading videos to YouTube and no one knows until after it happens. They're like, Oh my God, this guy had a YouTube channel was talking about all of this. Or someone's like live on a streaming platform when they go to do something. It's like, it is authentically, if this were to happen in real life, if this specific event that is portrayed in the dirty is like, if, if that actually happened for real and it has happened for real, but this specific version, 
this would be the stuff that people would pull out afterwards in order to discuss the events. They'd be like, oh, wow, this guy was filming a short film the entire time. And let's look at the footage and sort of discuss what's going on here. I think that it, that's so interesting. Yeah. It's really interesting because it's like it's sort of like a your um, what kind of person would film themselves. Right. It would be a kind of guy that's like that is obsessed with movies who wants to make his own movie. Right. And if he was embarking on this project, which is a school shooting, then why wouldn't he film that, right? Because when you're a filmmaker, you're always looking for subjects to film. So why wouldn't you make that as part of your project, right? Like, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you put those things together? So the idea of, like, you find found footage of someone who is about to commit a crime, but that person... Like that person is also obsessed with making movies like that, that like ties it together to give you this whole other element to it. But I also, it also strikes me about this is Matt's like self-awareness, his obsession with media in general feels more contemporary, right? Especially with like the advent of cell phones and cell phone cameras and filming things on cell phones, right? TikTok and YouTube videos are done on cell phones, right? That's like the device. Like, do you feel like Matt Johnson, the character, is an avatar of a more modern, like, domestic terrorist? Or is he something unique because he's like, what if I was a school shooter and a filmmaker? I mean, honestly, we don't know exactly what happens to him after the the final scene of the movie which we'll get into but i have said you know before when discussing this film with friends who have watched it you know rest in peace matt from the dirties you would have loved tiktok you would have loved <laughs> filming yourself doing some sort of weird challenge in the school hallways and then something blows up at the end like it it is very i i won't say i mean like social media was around at in 2013 like Definitely. i mean again as i said he sort of got matt the real person got his start or sort of is well known for his stuff that was published like online and on youtube and stuff so it's not like he was you know this was inconceivable but i do feel like it was ahead of its time in some ways because a lot of what you see here that compulsion to film that feeling of like you know hanging out with his friend and going to talk to him at the middle of the night and being like, hey, put your mic on. They can't hear you. It's like it's it's so obsessed with documenting everything and making sure people will see it and will consume it. Um, yeah. it I definitely think that it's in a way it feels it feels sort of driven by that, you know, social media, the, the more modern um, elements of it. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, this is a guy who is so obsessed with movies and with film and sees his life as being like a movie that it's like, it, it's just, it's only natural that, you know, he, he feels like my life is a movie. Like everything that's playing out is playing out as some sort of grander narrative. Um, mm -hmm. I guess I don't know how to phrase it exactly, yeah. but I, I've, I've, <laughs> whenever character syndrome is yeah. what you're trying to describe. Yeah. <laughs> when, when I, whenever I watch this, movie and I log it on Letterboxd for like the 500th time my tag that I've usually used for it is I love to consume media and be consumed by media and I think that's <laughs> the best way to describe it is that he's so obsessed with 
movies and find so much of his identity within them and within the context of them that it's like you know he has if if you took the character matt johnson in this movie and you strip out the film references and the obsession with filming what identity does he have and so Mm -hmm. i feel like he's so he's so like obsessed with the escapism of i imagining his life as a movie and putting himself into other movies that people have made like he can't even come up with his own original credit sequence. He can't come up with his own. You know, well, why would he when he wants to reference something great? You know? Yeah. And he can't even think of his own dramatic thing to say when he kills someone. Sweatpants are out. Like, uh, sweatpants are out. Art yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> well, that's that's a line that that he was told when he was younger. Right. I, yeah, I mean, I we can we can play the clip now. I think we have it. Yeah. Yeah. I was still wearing like Ninja Teddy sweatpants. And I was like, what? Ninja Teddy? Yeah, Ryan Gahuli once told me that when I was in the arcade, right, right by the school, remember we used to be right, right by that arcade by the school? And Ryan Gahuli told me, hey, yo, Johnson, sweatpants are out. And I just walked away. I had left two quarters on the machine. Really? I'm serious. Oh, you'll kill me. It killed me. It was the first time I really got bullied, like, like just for being myself. You know what I mean? What was the name of that guy who threw the rock at you? Sean. Right. So I mean, this is this is the the catalyst, or this is this is what he's referencing here. You know? Yeah. But I mean, it's not a reference to anything else. I mean, he was he was being ironic to. Uh, you yeah, know. but there is a part of me that feels like he sees this as like his, well, he wouldn't think of himself as a villain, so it's not his villain origin story, but you know what I mean? He sees this as like a formative event, and we all have formative events yeah. in our lives, and I'm sure that there have been moments in anyone's life where you've done something or achieved something, and you've been like, you know, hearing someone who doubted you in the back of your head and been like, ha, take that, I want to like, you know, turn those words against you now, but it's something about the fact that he, you know, I don't know. It just really strikes me that like his big moment that he's been planning for the entire time is all yet another reference to something. He holds a bully's hand and makes fun of them for it because it happened to him. And then he tells someone that sweatpants are out because that's some, like it's all stuff that he's seen before, which I think is really interesting that, you know, it, it does feel sort of like just someone, you know, role playing or like acting out a movie that that's already been made just to, mm. you know, make themselves the main character of it. Well, I think it's I think it's simple setup and payoff, right? Like he's trying to make those moments mean something by bringing it back to this ironic conclusion. Right. Yeah. What if what if I shot you after I said that kind of thing? Yeah. But the other thing to me that's really apparent and is somewhat concealed by his obsession with like making this into a movie is his just ang- is his, his anger. He's so upset. He's so angry at these guys for making fun of him and making him feel small and beating him up. Can and I, I, mean, I mean, can I <laughs> introduce something that I think is very, very interesting? Sure. Part of the reason that I included that, that quote that we just played you know, not just the, you know, sweatpants are out part, but the part that follows it 
where he talks about, you know, it was the first time I got bullied for being myself. And then there's this pause. And this happens so much throughout the movie that he is angry about something or recounting something. And then he turns it to Owen and he's like, I want to hurt the person who upset you. Yeah. So much of this movie is about, I mean, I truly believe that genuinely like the, the scene where he starts saying like, Oh, we should have done it for real. What happened immediately before that scene? Owen got hurt. Right. What happens? Yeah. What happens right before, you know, he actually goes through with it. Owen doesn't want to be around him anymore. Like right. it's it's all so so focused and possessive and just like obsessive about Owen and what's going on with Owen. It's not that Matt, I'm sure he doesn't like being bullied, obviously, but you really get this sense, or I really get this sense when you're watching that, you know, he could kind of put up with it and continue being like, you know, whatever. But the second that it threatens Owen or his friendship with Owen it's like something just snaps. And like the one scene that we see him very, 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 very angry, like, you know, actually like saying things that are like hurtful is when Owen dares to question, you know, what's going on here and be like, well, there are like, you don't have anyone other than me. You're so obsessed with me. You're jealous of Chrissy, which I mean, I could, dive i could dive into for hours and hours and hours the implications of that but it it's like a bit of a gender bender if i literally bit of a gender bender (laughs) by the way like you know slight tangent incredible second scene jumping immediately into him in full drag hey if i was the last woman on earth like Oh my gosh. Big, I, I feel like when I first watched the movie and that scene happened, I got like the, the like Metal Gear Solid exclamation point above my head. Like, <laughs> like the hold gaydar on. The just went off. Like, yeah. really. And then it, it comes back later. Like, I, I, I feel like I'm all over the place right now. But like the, the scene that I mentioned before where he offers Jared, the cameraman, and like by proxy, the audience popcorn, the immediate next sequence and again, I never see people talk about this because they just want to talk about the school shooting aspect. The immediate next sequence is Owen, you know, passed out on the floor during their sleepover. And Matt is sitting at his computer at presumably like 2 a.m. just watching on repeat with like a like a contemplative, wistful look in his eye, the footage of himself in drag. And he's just sitting there watching that over and over and over. And then it just, there's no elaboration. It just cuts away from that. And it's like, (laughs) genuinely, what did he mean by this? What, what possibly, what am I supposed to get from this if not? And so it, it, it's, I feel like, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I kind of lost the plot of what I was originally saying, but this is something that I'm very passionate about that I feel again is sort of under discussed in a lot of aspects. I think that. I think that it's important to note like what you were saying about Owen and Matt's sort of obsession or, or feeling possessive of Owen, right. Plays a big role because I think that it would be a mistake to say that like he wants to do this because he wants to scoot shoot up the school because he wants to film a movie. He wants to shoot up the school because he wants to kill these guys that are making fun of him and hurting Owen. 
He wants to protect himself and his friend, right? He wants to make a statement that they can't be pushed around. And here's how, you know, this is the consequences of it, right? It, it is all of the, the pent up anger that we always assume is um, associated with these kinds of events, right? That like the person that's doing it is, uh, has been pushed to a point of like to a, past their breaking point and is now willing to sacrifice their own life and the life of other people to make some sort of statement about it. Right. I, I feel like that's, uh, it's not just like this kind of disconnection from reality that's at play here. It is like a overdose of reality. It's too much for him. And so he decides to, uh, take control back in a way. Yeah, Men would literally rather make the dirties <laughs> than go to therapy. It's well. crazy. <laughs> So uh, in that kind of vein, do you feel like this is an accurate portrayal of the mind of a school shooter? I mean, I mean you know, never shut up a school. Yeah, dude, thankfully, but. I don't know firsthand um, from <laughs> any real close proximity. But I think that, as you've said, it, it I guess what I'll say is that I feel and I've felt since I first watched it, it's an accurate portrayal, more accurate than a lot of things that I've seen of what like actual like bullying is like it's a lot mm. more it feels a lot more visceral and it feels a lot more like i mean obviously it's a movie so terrifying honestly yeah stuff's right? played up a little but like you know stuff that was happening and again luckily i've never been subject to that sort of stuff especially not that extreme stuff myself but you're watching it and it's like yeah this genuinely does feel like stuff that would happen like when they're watching the movie in class and like everyone's just laughing at him and like specifically there's a line that has always stuck out to me I, I didn't notice it my first watch but when I watched it with subtitles I realized there's you know a scene during the the dirties within the dirties where Matt and Owen are going to make like a blood pact or something with that knife by the river um, and they're like are about to stab it and it's subtitled one of the kids in the class says oh my god they're gonna share aids and it's like <laughs> uh, again like implications of that thematically yeah, aside yeah, yeah. like it feels very authentically like yeah this is the kind of stuff that kids say this is the kind of things that would go on it just feels a lot more so it feels accurate and visceral in that way and then to get into sort of thematically the stuff with matt and gender and Matt and Owen and Matt and just anything. It feels a lot like just someone who is having these thoughts and impulses and feelings and doesn't know how to deal with it. And I mean, it's the classic stereotype, right? Of like a, a bully who's like super homophobic. And then like, you know, it turns out that they were gay the whole time or something. It's a harmful stereotype because that's a lot of yeah, times yeah, yeah. people are just hateful but it is there is truth to it if you repress something or you deny something or you are so averse to something about yourself rather than confronting it it can lead you to just be like so overly aggressive and hateful about it and so i think that you know there's a reason that i didn't really complain specifically about the language that matt uses during the movie when i complained about the the blackface scene because i feel like whereas that is just sort of like you know, it just kind of adds like, yeah, the character is like a kind of shitty teenager and whatever. This 
the the language and the slurs that he uses like it, it adds to that in that sense but it also genuinely feels to me like very importantly intentional like this is the kind of thing that he says about people that he doesn't like and yeah. like but at the same time he would rather dress up in drag and you know play a girl like and he's like oh it's all like postmodern irony like it's like super like oh people aren't gonna get if they this. don't get this we're, i'm gonna be made fun of i'm gonna be beaten up yeah and owen's like you already get beaten up i'm gonna be beaten to death <laughs> like literally it's just it's so it's so that feels authentic to me too that it's someone who should be probably doing a little bit of introspection but for whatever reason can't or won't and rather than i mean again i said earlier jokingly like you know rather do this than go to therapy genuinely if he had someone to talk to about this or had someone to be a better role model or even lived in a slightly different time like if this movie happened like now i feel like there would be a slightly different perspective so it i do feel that i can't say for sure you know if it's accurate about the mind of someone who would do something like this i think it's an accurate portrayal of someone who is struggling with many things internally and also is way too absorbed in escapism and fantasy and you know everything has to be a joke everything has to be a bit nothing can be sincere the logical extension of that is that when when everything's a bit then where does the bit end the bit yes can't ever go too far because it just continues to be a joke so there's no moment where everything sort of has to come back to reality i think that's why one of my other favorite scenes is when Owen finally, it's not really the final straw, they still hang out after this for a bit, but Owen sort of confronts him about, like, you know, Matt's on the verge of being in, like, physical danger for a joke for a movie that, in Owen's perspective, isn't even really being made, because he's like, this is a short film for school that now might be real, I don't know what's going on, why are we why are you so committed to this? So um, I think we have the clip for that. I'm gonna do the snake eyes bit. So back up by like a foot, you're being insane. Yeah, but it won't look as good unless I'm like It doesn't this. matter how good it looks, I'm, it's just me. Are you hearing yourself? Doesn't matter how good it looks, this is a movie. <laughs> this that, is not a movie right now, this is just you and me. Trust me, this is a movie, trust me. I'll, we'll go home, I'll show you the footage, this you'll be sick. like, holy shit, this what a wicked sick. movie. How you act like this all the time now. What are you talking about? How it's always a movie for you, how you're always acting. It's pathetic. Why are you acting so strange? I'm not acting strange. And, oh, and you're acting, I'm acting very the way that I I take a step forward and I just. This is exactly what I'm describing. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Uh, you're really upset, and I'm trying to comfort you, and I'm like, listen, Owen, relax. Matt, I don't care if you think that would Whoa! make a good shot in some film that you're making that I'm not making. The scene is Danny Glover in Royal Tenenbaums. I don't know, Percy. She's. And she Shut up! up. Shut up! I don't think it's funny. So if I don't think it's funny, who's it for? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think this is great. I mean, especially since, like, the cameraman is standing there right next to Owen, right? And we're like, is this a movie? Is this not a movie? Right When Matt's like, trust me, this is a movie. I'll go home and show you. This is, this is a wicked movie. <laughs> it's like... 
yeah, I, I am thinking that right now, actually. Uh, but that's not clearly the reality that's happening right in front of us, right? He's like some other... He's like this... I got the same feeling when I was watching Blackberry, too. He's like this otherworldly thing. Like, he doesn't belong in this world, you know? He's just some... He's just, like, sort of there as, like, as something, a, like, a part of it. Um, Does Doug's whole thing with, like, quoting movies nonstop in um, Blackberry make more sense to you now? It does make sense. Where he was, it, like, it, he just, like, starts quoting. I guess it might have been the book, but I choose to believe it was the David Lynch film. When he quotes Dune randomly, like, <laughs> it's, it's special to me. And, again, also, why during Blackberry I was, I went in and I, I, expected one thing and i came out and i was like how is matt johnson playing the normal one in this movie how is he the one that isn't like right how did he find even more insane characters to surround himself with like i mean i guess i shouldn't have been surprised i mean he got (laughs) (laughs) he got dennis so i don't know why i thought that there wouldn't be someone at least on his level but you know yeah yeah um another small thing about that scene that's very funny to me um and funny and telling and just like oh god please just like talk to someone about this is that immediately after owen says if i don't think it's funny who is it for like you know if you're not doing this to impress me like what's what's the point then matt immediately for whatever reason you know we can only speculate but that his immediate next thought is oh this is about chrissy right chrissy's getting between us it's like yes it's like dude (laughs) I just, I love Yeah, well, he's, so he's not listening to what he's saying. He's listening to his tone, right? Yeah. He's like, Owen's upset with me. Owen's upset with me, and he doesn't want to play anymore. You know, he doesn't want to do, he doesn't want to hang out and make a movie anymore. He just wants to do something else. And he's acting different. He's acting like this is a different thing. And what else, what has changed, right? You know, we, we put the pieces together, and it's like, oh, this has got to be about. The only other thing that's going on in Owen's life, which is Chrissy. Yeah, I right? really feel like Matt is convinced. And I, I don't subscribe to this narrative. I don't, first of all, I don't know enough about the situation to have an opinion, but I just generally don't think it's correct. But I feel like Matt is the kind of person who would compare Chrissy in this situation to Yoko Ono. He's like, he's like <laughs> this girl showed up and she's ruining and she's, everything. Yeah, messing everything up. Yeah. Like, she's I mean, a dumb girl. She's so stupid. She's an idiot girl, Owen. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, exactly. Or earlier in the movie, they do very briefly, like Owen tells a joke about Courtney Love versus Kurt Cobain. And it's like, in the moment, it's just like sort of, haha, like funny, whatever, guys sure. joking about like women <laughs> sucking, whatever. And like, you know, being edgy. And there's also an added element, I think, maybe intentional, maybe not, in that the web series that Matt's done is called Nirvana, the band, the show. So to me, that was kind of like a nod, like, you know, can't resist bringing it up. But love that. that. (laughs) But I mean, it, it does feel like that, whether both of them buy into it, or it's just a cultural thing, it's like something that is pointed out earlier. So I feel like, definitely, Matt, whether consciously or subconsciously, um, definitely has this feeling of me and Owen were great. Everything was good. We were hanging out all the time. I mean, he he makes a whole like romantic breakup montage about how like you know oh they're playing <laughs> ukulele. Is this too, sadly. Is this too, is this too dramatic? Yeah, like it's it's literally <laughs> so like you know funny. shots of like his sad empty basement intercut with him and Owen laughing and skipping around together, and it's it's like. <sighs> 
and people just don't talk about this. I mean, I, I won't say people don't talk about this. There are people who have watched the movie and have picked up on this and care about it. But to me, it's like, I guess part of the reason I'm so passionate about this movie is that I watched this again back in like 2017-ish, maybe even a little earlier. And I watched this movie and I'm in this situation where like you said, it's hard to recommend to people and it's hard to sell people on. So I watched this movie and I mentioned it to like one or two people and people either didn't end up watching it or like watched it and didn't really get it or didn't care about it. So I'm, and it's not like there's a fandom online for this movie, like a huge one where you could like, you know, go and like, you know, talk to people a ton about it. So I sat there for like five or so years with nothing but that movie and my own diseased little brain just stewing over it, rewatching it and being like, am I insane for seeing this? Is there something going on here? No one else is talking about this because everyone else was talking about, you know, what's, I mean, I'm not going to more be, explicit messages. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. More important messages, most likely also, like, I'm not going to argue that this is like, you know, if you take one thing away from the movie, yes, it probably should be, you know, that like, school shooting and gun violence are a real danger but if you take two things away from it <laughs> can i argue that you maybe just rewatch and consider like it's just it's very so it's been very um i, I don't know validating isolating yeah, uh, validating? Uh, yeah okay. validating like going forward like the last couple of years having been able to show this movie to people and talk about it with people and have the response be a resounding like yeah we get it we get why you like this movie so much every person recently that i've shown this movie i i mean you watched it and you texted me afterwards like okay i get it now i get why you wanted me to watch this and like every person that i've shown this to i've either watched it and seen it happen in real time or i've gotten a text from them or a dm from them afterwards that's like okay, I get why you wouldn't stop talking about this movie. <laughs> like, it, so it's been very validating to me that people are sort of coming around to it or the, that I'm, I'm surrounding myself with people who are sort of on the same page with it. Yeah, well, I do think it's powerful, right? Um, and yeah, let's, I mean, I know you just said that, like, I, you feel like people don't focus on... on... You f- people focus too much on the school shooting thing, but I do want to focus on that. I don't. So, I don't think they focus too much on it, but yeah. But, you, but at the expense of other things, yeah, is what you're saying. Um, so I personally don't see this as an endorsement of school shootings, right, or even like a justification for school shootings, right. But anytime you're showing violence on screen, anytime you're showing a your protagonist committing a crime on screen it sort of acts as like a glorification of that so how do you feel about this movie and its portrayal of uh school shootings as like is do you feel like it's uh it's cautious do you feel like it's exploitative how do you feel about that so my feeling about the ending um i think the best way to summarize it like like because i think the ending is the most sort of the part that would be the most controversial, right, in terms of, like, a glorification of violence. I think that the ending is pretty much perfect, and I think that the reason that it's perfect, specifically the actual, like, you know, the act of it is that the setup is shown 
to be so meticulous, so tense, like there's nothing going on in the background. There's no music. There's no ambience. It's just like silence and the squeaking as he's trying to position the GoPros. And you can tell that it's all very intentional and calculated. And he's like, I'm putting the camera here so I can frame this correctly. And oh, really- man, when he's planning out like the shaking the hand thing, yeah. and he's like walking over and like, gosh, that's so spooky. Well, I didn't I- know what he was doing at all the first time. And then like. And when he actually does it, I'm like, oh, my God. But that's it's the, like, yeah. yeah, it's bone chilling. But that's the thing that I love about this is that it shows him so clearly setting that up. And then did you notice this? The, he was I, off center. He uses it uses the other camera. It uses <sighs> yeah. the other camera he puts up later. I think that 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 specific sequence or those two shots in context of each other are the entire thesis of how this movie deals with the violence which is that it shows it but it deliberately decenters it like literally but mm. also like you don't get matt the character is so obsessed with having the perfect shot of this and the narrative is like you don't get to have that this right. is not your moment this is not your glorification i think that if it did show it happening like exactly as intended i think if it was matt's Matt, the character's dream version of the movie, that shooting sequence would have gone like, you know, baby driver and be synced with music and be like super badass and cool and like, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it deliberately shows that he plots this out so meticulously. And then it's not even that something goes wrong. It's just that, you know, you don't get to. He doesn't get the shot. He doesn't get the it shot. He doesn't get what happens. he wants. Classic movie thing. Yeah. You don't get the shot. And so I, I really, I think that also there's also, you know, maybe if you want to get super meta and like theoretical with it, there's also the aspect of like, okay, hey, we are seeing this after the ending of the movie. So after he's presumably either dead or arrested. So who did put it together and did, like, I choose to believe that it's not that the center camera didn't work or anything i choose to believe that whatever um figure compiled the movie at the end that was sort of like a a slight middle finger to the whole thing right like like, you don't you don't get to say yeah how this is shown yeah yeah so i i that's why personally i don't think i i think also like you know there's shockingly little blood there's like one little spray and like it there's nothing super not that it's not like grotesque and horrifying, but there's nothing super brutal. It doesn't go like, you know, full saw and show like, you know, people being dismembered or something. It's like, it's, it's both, it both is less glorified because it's less focused on it. And I think also a lot of times um, movie violence, like when it is sort of, I guess how to phrase this. I think that violence in real life, when it happens, it is a lot more just sort of like, you know, matter of fact, like it just happens. Sure. Right. Yeah. So I think it's that in a way sudden, yeah. it, it's more realistic to have just like, you know, one or two things happen and you see it and it's not up close and it's not like, you know, an unrealistic fountain of blood or something. It's like this happens and someone's on the ground now and that's and then you move on because other things are still happening so i think that it in a lot of ways it sort of is the opposite of what 
a school shooter movie would you what you would expect right like when I first watched it I was tensing up and I was like oh it's going to be like this horrific ending it's going to be like super gruesome whatever and yeah. it's not and somehow it's even worse because it feels a little too real it feels a little too like you know yeah it feels less staged it feels more right it like, feels like the line has been crossed at that point right? yeah up until that point even when he walks into the school with the bag full of guns wearing the shirt yeah <laughs> he oh god oh my god they used um, the shell they there was a merch site with that shirt it's it isn't oh, up man. anymore i I've, i i regret that every day he um even when he's in the school right with all the guns and everything he's setting up the cameras it isn't it he, like i at least am not sure that he's actually going to do it you know what i mean yeah. it's one thing to plan out all this thing and stuff and it's another thing to look someone in the eyes and then kill them right and when he ends up doing it with no hesitation when he pulls the gun out and you realize that he is serious and he is going to do it and then he shoots the guy i mean it's just horrible yeah it's so uh i think the, 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 the shot that always gets me and it's like it's not like I won't say like, oh, they couldn't have known how impactful it would be because it's in there for a reason, obviously. But for whatever reason, it's the specific transition from the last moment where he's setting up the cameras to that first angle where the camera is there and you see the kids in the hallway. That yeah. every single time is what gets me like, like, I mean, I know what's going to happen. I know that's going to happen. Yeah, well, when he's but, when he's walking around with the shirt on, right? He's like, I'm only here for the for the bad guys or whatever, right? And all the like the teachers let him in and they're like, Oh, you're here early or whatever. Yeah. Like like they, like nobody has any idea what he's about to do, you know? Yeah. There's like nobody is like nobody's even thinking about it because but, it's so yeah. it's so like atrocious, right? Yeah. It's like it, nobody and that's like ah, that's why I feel like school shootings is such an such an amazing choice to choose here as far as like your wide range of of terrorist acts, right? First of all, the school allows you to – it's a inter very interesting setting because you have a lot of people there and a lot of different people there, right? It makes it easy to have these kind of wide dynamics with people that you are acquaintances with but don't like – aren't friends with, right? But like everyone's sort of familiar with everyone else. But there's so also this, like, this horror of it all happening right in front of everyone. And yes. like, you know, the scene where um, – I mean, Matt does it kind of like A, to prove a point and B, just to kind of like mess with Owen, where he's like measuring the lockers and stuff. And I think he's right that it doesn't necessarily look suspicious to people like at that point in yeah, time. Yeah. But when he literally turns to Chrissy and is like, hey, we're going to shoot up the school. Do you want anyone dead? It's like <laughs> there, there's something about it and about the way that he says it. And it's like there are other kids just milling around the halls and like they're hearing it. And like, it's, it is definitely like, it, it just feels like one of those moments that, you know, you'd see in a true crime documentary. And right. Be like, like he was joking about it weeks before, but I didn't take him seriously. Yeah. And you're right, sitting, well, like, you're sitting there like, how yeah. did the cops not stop this guy? Exactly. Like, exactly. That's what I'm thinking when he's walking to the school. It's exactly what I'm thinking. It's like, if they only like, they don't know, they don't know. How would they know though? But, but they don't know. They should know for some reason. They should Literally know. That, Somebody that, should know. That Riddler picture that's like, does he know? Is just yeah. like the entire <laughs> mood of that sequence is just like does anyone no one has any idea no one yeah is exactly no one's paying concerned. that close attention to I, this. I will say one thing that i really deeply deeply appreciate is that like because presumably 
I I believe that Owen had some idea of when it's going to happen because there's that shot of him calling Matt at like 4 a.m. And Matt yes. like declines the call. I, I sort of get the sense. I don't think it's stated directly. I get the sense that maybe this was a date that was settled on or he just sort of had a hunch. But he still, A, he still goes to school. And B, he presumably doesn't warn anyone. I think because <laughs> he is still in that mode of like, like where the there's audience no way he's is. Actually gonna yeah, do there's it. no way that's actually so that's why that shot specifically where you see the kids in the hallway through the camera for the first time, that's why that specific shot and not the setup where he's talking to teachers or whatever, like at that point he still sort of could maybe back out to me. Right. Right. The moment where you see like the actual like kids in the hallway through the GoPro, that's where it like finally crosses the line and it's like there is literally no point of return. Like he, like we're seeing the footage. So that means that he continued filming through this. So that means that this still happened. Right. He didn't not do it. Or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, the, the other thing that I think is interesting about the school shooting aspect or like the reason why school shootings is, is an interesting choice is because it is a domestic terrorism act that lots of people are familiar with you know it's something that we hear about in the news a lot there's a lot of people that have lived through school shootings right this is a uh especially in america a like a, there's like an epidemic of it right I mass think, shootings i think in general. The, the really dark thing about this is again remembering that this movie came out in 2013 right and so then tallying like tallying up like how many of the major ones that you could think of have happened since then and it's like yes. like yeah it's just kind of i i get the feeling that there was no way that they anticipated how relevant this would continue to be going forward i i don't think that they ever were you know when working well, on the, the movie sandy hook like, happened in december of 2012 2012 yeah you know what, what month this movie came out Okay, Wikipedia says the slam dance release date was January 2013. So, okay, so literally a month uh, later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for me, I mean, like the, the one that like jumps out, not that some are worse than others, but the one that jumps out to me that like I had people, I've lost contact with them like in the years since, but like I have people that I knew personally that like went to Parkland. Right. Like I had a friend who literally like uh, i guess i won't say too much because i don't even talk to this person anymore i don't know how public they are about it but i knew someone who genuinely wasn't at school that day because they had like a dentist appointment that got rescheduled for that day that's and so insane. they weren't at school and then all well, that's like the thing is like every person you know, the, the more this happens, right, the more people it touches. Because yeah, everyone has a near somebody, story. Yeah. Or you're going to live through it yourself, you know, either way. like, But it, regardless, right, this is like a very accessible thing. And it's something that um, I think is like, how do I say this? Like a, like a not in a really mean way. But like, I think that there's such a culture of fear around school shootings, you know, that it's this. It is like one of the worst things that can happen. And I'm not saying that it's not, but I think that we like, I think what, what's nice about this movie is that it, there is this element of unseriousness to it, right? It's not that it's saying this, like these things should be more palatable or like that it should be more acceptable, more that it's okay to like laugh, right? That it's okay to like 
stand up to it and try to be try not to be consumed by that fear right try to try to look at it full in the face and it maybe make some sort of understanding from it you know because i think i think the the tone of like the tone of this movie is very lighthearted up until that point you know and that's what makes like the actual lead up the actual couple last minutes of the movie so terrifying is that you don't know what he's going to do you don't know if he's actually going to do it or not because the tone of the movie is hinting at this like darkness with but there's there's always these like pullbacks there's always these lighthearted moments there's always Matt at this at the editing uh computer being like oh you're gonna have to put this in yourself you know but not like not recognizing just how serious that would like the implication of that is you know it, it's so bizarre and it's like this disconnect that I think um kind of leads you to the edge of your seat and uh yeah I, I think that like as a as like a as a subject for your film it's very ambitious and i think it's very interesting the like as a choice just because you're able to reach a lot of people with this idea you're able to uh show it as something that is like part of it in inter- something that's supposed to be entertainment and also uh like not show it in like a, as a glorification yeah i think that um also in, in a way i think that Part of the levity or the sense that, um, you know, it isn't being taken, not that it's not being taken seriously, but that sense that, like, you know, it is sort of comedic throughout. I think yeah. that, that does sort of tie into what I feel makes it realistic because I think that, you know, yeah, to be like to exist in this world today, everyone has sort of had to take on this layer of dark comedy and just sort of dark acceptance of Irony. like. Yeah, like every, you can't take things too seriously. And so I think that, you know, not only does it make it more relatable to the audience in that way, but it also does show in some ways how that desensitization, how that acceptance can lead to like, you know, taking a joke too far in like the worst way possible. Like, I think Hmm. that, I think that it's not necessarily saying, you know, I agree that it's it is sort of a, a way to address the subject without being just like you know horrifying footage and statistics for like three hours straight, and then you're like, well, that was the movie, but like <laughs> that was depressing. Like, yeah. I'm glad we live in this world. Yeah, yeah, it's like it, but I think it also is definitely a bit of a a cautionary tale or a commentary on, I mean, like as as the character of Matt says, like it's different when you're watching it on a screen. It's weird when yes. you're watching yourself in footage and it feels like it's happening to a different person. Like that's literally just like dissociation. That's like, and again, as you mentioned earlier, I think it was slightly ahead of its time in the sense that like, that's like every day, all the time for people. Now everyone is filming themselves all the time. Yes. So it's like, uh, everyone's I, performing all the time. Everyone's, yeah everyone's acting like characters you know yeah and so I, I feel like definitely it is i think there is definitely some critique of I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that the movie is like you know oh like violent films are bad because they make people think violence is okay and then they do violent films in real life like i don't think it's arguing that like remotely but I think it is showing that when you are so detached from reality and you find so much escape in media or content or whatever, 
and you lose sort of that that contact with reality, whether it's through isolation or an actual underlying condition or something traumatic happening and you have no way to really face the real world. So you kind of wall yourself away. I think that it is sort of a a showcase that if you do nothing but sit in your basement and watch like very violent movies all the time and think about how cool it would be to be that person in that movie, then it's inevitable that you're going to, you know, not really fully understand the context and the consequences of this fantasy you've created for yourself. Because I think the reason that he does it without hesitation, as you said, it's so chilling. But I think it's it's like that not because he's going in like, you know, I'm a cold-blooded murderer and whatever. I think he's going in and he just doesn't get it. I think at the no, end... It's, it, you're yeah. exactly right. It's exactly that, right? Yeah. It is that disassociation. That's like what's unique about Matt Johnson, the school shooter, right? Is he has this... and Or maybe not. Maybe that's not... Maybe that isn't unique to him. But It's unique in the like, portrayal. It's a it's portrayal that features, feels different. Yeah. Yes. It's one of the features of him is that he is so disassociated with reality. I think that this, I don't know if you want to get deep into discussing the ending yet or not, but I, I feel like when you come to the ending from this lens, it makes a lot of sense. Um, but by the ending, I mean like the ending ending, like the last, the very like, last 30 yeah. seconds I, of the movie. I, yes, one of my questions here is why does it end like that with three question marks? Um, yeah. Because uh, like he walks into the room, Owen is, is cowering right in the corner and he's like trying to get through a locked door and Matt, what does Matt say exactly? Something like- He just says, why are you freaking out? It's me. It's me. Yeah. And he's like, he's he's using that same tone of voice and expression that he uh, has always used with Owen, except that this time he's holding a gun and he's just shot two yeah. people. But I think um, that I think that it genuinely like, and again, whether you want to bring subtext into it or not, even just looking at it at a purely textual, like what is happening level, I think that Matt, the character's perspective, is like he's just it's it's weird. He's like logical about things to a fault in some ways where he shows up and he's like well if i wear a shirt that says i'm only killing bad people then good people won't be worried right like he genuinely (laughs) that doesn't make any sense (laughs) yeah but that's what he thinks so when he walks in and he sees owen like acting like he's about to die matt's genuine reaction is why are you freaking out like it's me you know me i'm not here for you and like, right. I mean, from an outsider perspective and an audience perspective, he just ran through the hallway with a gun screaming for Owen. So like anything could happen. But from Matt's perspective, I don't think it even remotely crosses an inch of his mind to cause any sort of what he would perceive as harm to Owen. He's already harmed Owen irreparably. But like, you know, he I don't think that he's showing up to hurt Owen. I think he shows up and sees that Owen's there and he's like, Owen, hey, like what, dude? Like I'm doing the thing. Hey, you want to talk to you in a day or yeah. something? Like what's going on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's just normal. Like I got day. a, I got a spare shirt in the bag. If you want to join in, like you know, I, I feel like that's genuinely his perspective. Like you know, I, I he, so that's why it feels to me, like, a, like he just hasn't thought past this point. It's a good place to end the movie because he isn't even considering that Owen might be upset. Like 
even when he was yes. setting when he was setting Owen up with Chrissy, it did not cross his mind that the logical conclusion would be that Owen spends more time with Chrissy and thus logically slightly less time with him. Like it just doesn't he's so codependent or really just dependent on Owen that he, it doesn't he thinks of Owen as he says in that one argument scene as nothing without him. Like they're just yes. they're a unit. And so when he shows up and he's doing the thing that he's explained to Owen, he's like, Owen, why are you freaking out? Like, it's not, we discussed this. I'm not here to hurt you. Like, it's literally just me. It's me, your buddy, Matt from school. Like we're best friends. We watched a movie together last week. Like it's, so that's why that ending is like that to me is that he genuinely, it's not like a menacing, it's me or like a taunting it's like he genuinely is confused. Yeah, yeah. Like, why? No, I definitely get that. Be... I think what I think is off-putting, maybe, or maybe just um, disquieting, is that he's um, like there is no conclusion to this, right? Matt shows up, like, and now we know that he was always serious and that he was going to do this, um, right? He is clearly lost some semblance of what's reality because everyone else agrees that he shouldn't be killing people but he does not agree that that's a bad thing to do and but there's no like consequence to this right we don't see him get taken out we don't see him uh, like if he's successful with the rest of the dirties or 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 anything right we don't see owen like react to him in a way that's like you know you need to stop or like anything like that right we never see Matt like get punished by the system or anything. Well, that's it's not just... what Matt's movie is about. Matt Johnson, right. the character, isn't making movie about a school shooting and the aftermath of it. He's making a movie about this is my best friend and we're getting yes. bullied. And so we're going to do something about it. And so it's like the moment that it veers off from his script with seeing that Owen is not going to join right in. It's like, I, I, I just personally feel like Matt Johnson, the character, did not plan that far ahead. So Matt Johnson, yeah. the director, didn't need to plan that far ahead. It's like, okay, this happens, and what else would possibly happen? We're not, we're not going to go to a courtroom drama now in the rest yeah, of the yeah. film as found footage about the trial of Matt Johnson, the character. Like, I mean, that's a narrative that's worth exploring, but I don't think that it was... I, I think that yeah, the, that the way... Yeah, saying. The way the because, like, story as soon as, ends, as soon as yeah. Owen is no longer on board, the movie's... Or like as soon as Matt knows that Owen is on the board, the movie is over. It's, it can no longer function. Yeah, it was a group project. They were in it right. together. Right. In Matt's head. <laughs> Hold on one second. Something just yeah. fell out of my house. Sorry, a cat knocked a vase off of the table. Oh no, I hope it didn't break. <laughs> no, it didn't break. It's okay. <sighs> and it was only like it was just like a bunch of pine cones and tiny pumpkins okay. in there. Nothing not like any water or anything, so it's okay. It was on like a like a table runner, so it's been kind of shifting around a lot. Okay. I guess she just yeah. pulled it down officially now. Anyway, <laughs> I, I told them both to chill out, but I don't think they're going to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I want to shift a little bit to talking about the creative process. So there's sort of a conflation here, right? Matt is obsessive with 
making this movie. He can see he's always like sitting there trying to figure out how the best way to, to put things together and and what to shoot and what to, and all of that, right? And then once um, he shows the movie and they have to cut it down and he's disappointed with the reception of it, he decides to do a new project, which is to shoot up the school. And those two things seem to have a similar level of commitment from Matt and a similar level of like craft, you might say, right? He's talking about costuming. He's talking about what he's going to say. He's talking about his what, what equipment he's going to use. So how do you feel like the creative process and committing and executing a terrorist attack uh, conflate? When you are sort of consumed by a creative project, it can yeah. kind of feel like bigger than just a creative project. It can kind of feel life and death. And so I think that it's less that he's saying that they're the same thing. And it's more that he's saying if someone were to do X, in this case, a school shooting in another movie of his, it's faking the moon landing. Um, if someone was to do this coming from the lens of someone who loves film and is obsessed with film already, like that's just a part of their character. How would that inform how they plan things? And I think it's, both that and the character himself, you know, having a genuine detachment from reality so that everything feels like it's larger than life in a movie. I think that it's, I mean, I feel like for the character of Matt, his answer, no matter what, would be that he's planning a movie and like the shooting is yeah. like, you know, a, a part of planning. Like when you say you're planning a movie, you're not necessarily going to say, specifically like oh i'm filming this sidewalk today you're gonna say i'm yeah, making yeah, yeah. a movie so I'm for a movie him about something yeah yeah you're talking about what it's about yeah and the school yeah. shooting in this case is just the subject right? it's just the means to an end it's like the right. it's like instead of using you know like a green screen and some mannequins he's gonna go to a <laughs> real school <laughs> yeah and so i think that that's it, it just speaks more to his detachment from reality as the character um that it doesn't cross his mind that, or maybe he doesn't let it cross his mind. Maybe it is more of a conscious choice in order to enact it, but it really seems more like he's just sort of detached and doesn't really, it, it doesn't seem relevant. It doesn't seem like the most important bit because again, the point of the movie is not this specifically. It's to make the movie and make a point and get the creative vision that he wanted out into the world. And so it's less about like, you know, uh, I'm doing this. So I have an excuse to hurt someone. It's like, right. I'm hurting someone so that I can make this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's sort of like using your powers for evil, right? Like yeah. as a, as a director, you have to, be a ma like a master of logistics and yeah, you're already adept at like blocking and choreography and like planning right. when you're going to have the set open and like so yeah exactly you get there's a lot of things that you that sort of like there's skills that transfer over and you might even say that a film director is it they can do almost anything they're pulling off like these very big projects right for for very what, like for very silly reasons, almost like, oh, I think this is going to look cool. You know, like that's about it. It's nothing to do with like, you know, advancing some sort of, um, you know, business venture or something like that. Yeah. It's just that I think this is going to look cool. And so we're going to do this. Well, so, I think like, that, it's, no. yeah. Um, I, I think that you can kind of view his opinion on the school shooting aspect as 
sort of analogous to his view of the standing on the very tippy edge of a cliff aspect where he's like he is so absorbed in what it's going to mean for the narrative and if it's going to look cool and if it gets the message that he wants across he's not worried about bodily harm to himself so i think that's people yeah 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 which is like which that's that's like the thing here is that there there is this like oh like uh, I'm so like obsessed with this thing. I'm 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 willing to do anything to to get this thing, which is, I think, portrayed in Hollywood movies as like, oh, like as a the creative process is such is like this noble endeavor, right? It's this thing that when you're going through it, it can seem like it sucks, but like ultimately your result is so wonderful. And like, what Matt Johnson here is saying is like not necessarily like you. You could use these same techniques to pull off something terrible. Uh, the The creative process, quote unquote, is not an inherently good or moral thing, right? It doesn't make you into a good person if you are a creative. You have to like use your powers for good. Yeah. In a way. Ever ever since I saw um, it in the theaters, I've I, I've been thinking that I really want. Um, Jordan Peele specifically because of Nope to have like a directors on directors session with mm. Matt Johnson. I don't know. If, yeah. Cause I, I feel like that movie handles a lot of similar themes about like, you know, getting the perfect shot and what are the costs Voyeurism. of that? And yeah. What's, yeah. what's the line? What's the line between exploitation and um, creation? And is there a line and you know, what are the ethics of it? When is it, like you, you should just abandon it for yours or others' sake, and like some people just don't have that capacity to make that decision. So I think that, like, that's an example of a a more recent, more well known project um, that I think contends with, I mean, in a in a vastly different setting, and even has some slightly different things to say about it, or very different things to say about it rather. But um, I, I think that that's that's an aspect that I think um, I see reflected in the dirties is that sort of like, uh, again, sort of, um, you know, being so consumed with your project that it consumes you, like just yeah, sort of yeah. losing sight of everything else. There's one more thing I want to talk about before we go to our next section. And that is about montage. When we were talking about Blackberry, you mentioned that uh, you were a little disappointed that, Blackberry's montages were not more uh, thematic or diegetic. And this movie montage is like a tool that the character of Matt Johnson uses to uh, kind of break up the film, but also to um, <laughs> to show his like editing prowess or something. Um, so what do you, how do you feel about the use of montage in the dirties? I just think that it was such a stroke of genius from an editing and a character perspective because it's uh, I I feel like it's probably not unique. There are other projects where you see the film being edited within itself or you see aspects of the production happening within itself, especially if it's a documentary or something sort of aping that style. But something about just how deep it gets in terms of meta of like, I I don't know. One example that I find really interesting is that towards, I guess this isn't even really necessarily montage, but there's a point in the movie sort of towards the mid 
maybe like around the latter third of the movie where um, the Matt and Owen are up in like the like loft sort of seating of like a school auditorium and their kids rehearsing like Susicle down on the on the um, stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Matt is pretending to play with the thing like it's a machine gun or whatever. Oh, my God. I, I didn't I didn't notice on my first several watch throughs. But a friend of mine, when I showed them this movie, said. If you pay attention, their clothes that they're wearing, those are the gym clothes from when their clothes got soaked. Yeah, earlier yeah, yeah. and it wouldn't make sense for them to be there you know during gym class so the conclusion that i think is logical that we've drawn is that not everything in the movie is in chronological order i think that there's sure. a lot of and then you have to then consider that that's not just like a, a narrative choice from externally that's internally every editing choice that you see is something chosen by matt the character and what does that say about his character? So at this stage in the movie, he is making the movie and he's like, presumably he and Owen aren't hanging out as much. And he's like, well, I need to show that we're still friends. So I'm going to pull this footage of us hanging out. And yeah, it doesn't yeah. quite fit chronologically, but that's okay. And like, you know, same thing with like the, what I refer to as the breakup montage where there's like the sad ukulele music and it's sort of cross-cutting um, Oh, and like making new friends and like hanging out with them. Mm -hmm. But like, it's very sad. And like, you see like, you know, oh, but it was so much happier when we were friends and hanging out. It's like, not only is that compelling just narratively and like emotionally, but, and I mean, it draws more attention to itself this time because Matt then literally jumps into the film to be like, this is so weird. Why am I doing this? But it says a lot about his character that he's like, I have to continue to make it look like Owen and I are friends. And so I get the same sort of feeling with the musical choice. I think that the fact they spent so much on licensing for music, um, I think it's really justified because so many of the songs that are used throughout the movie have direct like ties to what's happening. Like if you, for instance, if you look at the, the sequence where they're celebrating the original Dirties rapping and Matt leads into it by saying, you know, we'll have a song by Best Coast and then it plays a song by Best Coast. The lyrics are literally like it's extremely on the nose, but it's like, you know, when I'm with you, nothing else matters. Like the world sucks, but we're together and that makes it OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. etc. And then you step back and consider that means that canonically Matt Johnson, the school shooter, listens to Best Coast and listened to this album and heard this song and was like, man, this is just like me and Owen for real. And then put it into his movie. <laughs> and like a, another, you know, dear friend of mine has pointed out that al that album that that song is from is literally a concept album about like a toxic, possessive relationship. And so it's like. Again, like, does he know? Does Matt Johnson, the character, listen to this album and be like, man, this is just like me and Owen and just doesn't think anything of it. So I that's could crazy. go, you can dive so deep into it. Like, again, the the specific cover that's used um, of the Kid Cudi song, Pursuit of Happiness, I believe. It's been stuck in my head for, yeah, it's since such a, I watched the movie. It's such a good cover. But I mean, again, you you listen to it and it's, I don't know, there's something about the way that it's, edited and the fact that you can take a step back and be like okay like officially this character 
like back in 2013 had this music on their iPod and like liked it enough to put it in this. And so like, it, it's just as someone who has always loved, like, you know, making character playlists or like mood boards or whatever, like just compiling things that remind me of the atmosphere or something of a movie or a book or a project. The fact that it's like built into this movie and I can logically extrapolate and like go to music that came out like pre 2013 and be like, it's like debatably like canon compliant for Matt Johnson to listen to Taylor Swift in this timeline and like cry about it. And I'm like, you know, that that's just an extra little fun bit for me. But I think that thematically it also again, it just sort of ties back into what I was talking about way at the beginning, which is how it plays with the medium of film and it continually draws attention to the fact that it's a found footage movie and it's being edited in universe. And then it pulls back from that and you're not thinking about it. And so it really, it, just keeping that in mind, it makes some of the scenes that aren't edited or that aren't, that paint matte in like sort of a darker light, it makes it so much more interesting that they're there. Because then you have to consider, is he including this because he's like super conniving and wants people to feel bad for him? Is he including this because he genuinely doesn't see how this is concerning? Is he including this because real Matt Johnson just didn't think that much about it and I shouldn't be this obsessive about this movie that came out in 2013? Like it's all, it's just such a, rich vein for analysis and discussion just purely based on the fact that they just have like you know a handful of songs thrown in there that are relevant to what's happening on screen i just love how like yeah how diegetic and how um you know actually immersive and well honestly i mean it's such a such a deep part of it that it's like it's hard to appreciate while it's happening, but like afterward, right? Looking up the songs and the lyrics, and and then thinking about critically how these things connect together. Yeah, it's it's pretty brilliant, honestly. Yeah. Like I'm, I mean, again, not a montage, but the song that plays over the credits, um, which is it's kind of a montage. It, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> in some ways. Um, but the song that plays is called Don't Tell Me and it's by Tiggs. And it's like this super obscure song. It's not on Spotify or anything. All the YouTube uploads of the song, like 90% of the comments are like, I'm only here for the bad guys and stuff. It's like fans of the dirties who found this song. But this, like the lyrics to the song, there's no official lyric sheet out for it. So you just kind of have to guess what's being said. But like the chorus is Don't Tell Me. I'm calmer than I've ever been. Don't you see, see who's coming after me. And it's like, this happens immediately after Matt's chasing Owen through the hallway. And it's like, it's just such an interesting, that one. I mean, obviously, I guess I don't know. Cause on one hand it's after that. So you don't know for sure that it was chosen by him. But on the other hand, the credits were rendered ahead of time. So how much is, in character and how much isn't for that song choice. And it's just, yeah, there's a lot of little moments in the movie that if you look at what music is playing or what specific thing is being referenced, it just adds so much. It like reinforces the themes or it just adds so much more to think about. I love that. I love that. Okay. 
Uh, we are going to take a break, and then when we come back, we will go over our cool Easter eggs and quotable moments, and then our ratings. So stay tuned. Hey there, mamas. Just popping on to spill the tea on my new side hustle. I was feeling bogged down and powerless at my 9-to-5 office job when I discovered the company Natural Vibe Freedom Wellness Self-Care Boss Babe Powder. I know what you're thinking. What the heck is Natural Vibe Freedom Wellness Self-Care Boss Babe Powder, sis? Well, I never thought you'd ask. I'd be happy to tell you about my tribe. Natural Vibe Freedom Wellness Self-Care Boss Babe Powder is a brand that is specifically founded to empower women while authentically changing lives. It is an all-natural, green, energy, wellness, anti-bloat formula made to celebrate how beautiful you already are while preying on any particular insecurity that makes you feel like a troll under a bridge when you look in the mirror. If you have any flaw, our consultants are specifically trained to point it out in an engaging and authentic evaluation where we strip you down to your lowest form and then we fill your online cart with magic powder to put in your Stanley cup to fix you. It's all about the community. You don't have to choke down these powders alone, babe. Content is king, so you can be making money every day by posting clickbait links on Facebook that will lure in other tired moms who will sign up before their husbands realize they've committed. I myself didn't believe the hype about Natural Vibe Freedom Wellness Self-Care Boss Babe Powder until I tried their two-week kickstart anti-food cleanse, and it literally changed my life. I had no choice but to share it with all of you so that I can save other women like me from feeling like they're good enough to eat solid food. A powder a day keeps the pounds away. If you join me in the next two hours, you can get a bonus gift of our newest breast augmentation cream, More Chesty Bestie, a technology so new that it hasn't even been approved by the FDA yet. Yes, Bestie, you heard me right. That is groundbreaking how fresh this technology is, ladies. This cream is chock full of over 666 ground up superfoods that will improve your cup size by at least two sizes. More Chesty Bessie is the hottest up and coming product on the market and it will definitely not cause any rashes or cancer we think. Are you ready to live your most authentic and free life? Are you ready to find yourself? come join the Girl Power Tribe for only 500 easy payments of $10 and see how Natural Vibe Freedom Wellness Self-Care Boss Babe Powder can power you to elevate your lifestyle. Welcome back to Affable Chat. I'm here with dedicated Matt Johnson Evangelist B, and we're going to start with our cool Easter eggs. Um, I'll go first. Uh, the only one that I haven't mentioned yet is the Malkovich dream sequence when Matt is cross-dressing. He's dressed as a woman and he's singing Malkovich, Malkovich into the uh, microphone. Um, this is even more surreal for me because we just finished our Charlie Kaufman series and we just did Being John Malkovich, which is what this is referencing. I did notice um, that on the list and i was i was yeah biting my tongue <laughs> it's so oh gosh it's so funny that he's doing this because it's like what does he possibly mean by this you know because it's like this is a this is a um very obscure i mean the movie's not very obscure but this is a very like 
obscure reference to this movie that's supposed in in the movie that part is like a dream sequence it's not like he's singing a real song right everything that everyone says during that moment is malkovich so uh, like i it i think that it's just supposed to be like this funny reference i don't know if it has any deeper meaning to that but it was really funny and very surreal for me to to see that i mean like what deeper meaning does it have that he found like real actual kids in the park and told them to watch irreversible? Like I, <laughs> this guy's just kind of on. He just loves I films. Think. He just yeah. loves films. He likes talking about them, loves referencing them, loves yeah. dressing up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good with that. Honestly, I don't need it to be any more complicated than that. Um, B, do you have any fun uh, facts for us? Um, I guess one fun fact is that, um, so not really trivia per se, but it's something I hadn't thought about in a long time. And when I rewatched the movie in preparation for this, this morning, um, I rewatched it a couple of times, but this morning it jumped out to me um, during the sequence where he's like recording fully in his underwear. And I was oh, just God, sitting there so funny. and like, also again, side note for my favorite or for my fellow um, subtext enjoyers. Owen says, Matt, why are you in your underwear? And Matt says, Hey, you really need to hook up with Chrissy. So um, <laughs> just put a pin in that. But anyway, um, <laughs> like when he's standing, you know, on the table and he's doing the Foley stuff and he's trying to explain to Owen what it is, you know what he literally says? It's Baldur's Foley Gate. like in Baldur's Gate. I, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like, what yeah. the hell? To borrow what is my, this movie doing? <laughs> to borrow a phrase um, from the movie, I flipped my noodle. I was so excited. I was like... <laughs> There's no way. Are you the, playing Baldur's Gate 3 right now? Yes, me? I have been playing it. And I was like, I would love to have a con a conversation about Astarian with Matt Johnson. I know he would have the weirdest it's things to so say It's so funny. It's so funny that he references Baldur's Gate. In yeah, this for whatever movie. reason in my head, I had thought that he was referencing like, I, I had like replaced the reference in my head with like Oblivion or something like an yeah, Elder yeah. Scrolls game for whatever reason. So rewatching when I realized Didn't that- Skyrim come out in 2012? I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm not that big of a um, Elder Scrolls fan, but I I just remember, you know. I guess I 2011. Yeah, I, I yeah, must so, have, I must have played the, or watched the movie way back when, like for the first time. Been like, what's that? Looked up Baldur's Gate, seen it was like an RPG, and then just like been like, oh, so like Skyrim, and then just moved on and never thought about it again. But yeah, the fact that he references Baldur's Gate specifically was very, very funny to me. Which came and out in 1998. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, that's yeah. what a nerdy reference. And then for it to, um, yeah, just the, yeah. the, the timing of that is just so yeah. freaking funny. But the other, I, the other <laughs> bit about the Foley sequence is that, you know, he makes the bird noises or whatever. Um, it mentions, you know, in the trivia for the movie, like on IMDb, that, that, that bird noise is spliced in like, you know, later in the movie, like a couple of times, like in the background faintly. Um, he continues to do that. That sound is in Blackberry and it is in... Um, no way. Operation Avalanche. Is it yeah. him? Is it him making the noise? I mean, yeah, it's or that it, same. It's, it that same it's that same bird noise that he makes when he's standing on the table, and he's like, "Get back here, like bird! You stole my homeless you stole man my, dinner. You stuck my lunch." Yeah, it's literally that same. Yeah. My my yeah. one friend pinpointed exactly when it is. I don't have it off the top of my that head, but there is hysterical. a sequence in um, Blackberry where you can hear it very make, very faintly. Make the seagull noises the new Wilhelm scream. It What's basically is in in the Johnson verse in my heart. It it really is basically Amazing. like a running joke so i'm excited to see where that pops up in future projects okay let's go to our quotable moments here um, we have a couple of funny ones that we have not 
talked about. And uh, one of my favorite lines from the whole movie is, well, one of my favorite jokes is this one that starts off uh, here. A small pepper. Take down these faggots. Don't, don't say faggots. <laughs> I freaking love that so much because <laughs> he's yeah. like doing the he's doing the like the the voice I, I don't know some sort of accent he's like all right let's shoot these guys right yeah. and then uh, <laughs> and Owen oh my gosh he drops the f bomb and then he's like he turns to him and then like the the bullets oh gosh yeah so I, I think funny. <laughs> again like just things that only extremely normal people will notice is that. The only time, like, Matt, like, says it all the time. He gets upset when Owen says it. And the one time that he says, like, 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 oh, they might say this about Owen. He's saying that Chrissy would say it about Owen. So, again, yeah, yeah, yeah. layers to unpack there if you wish to an- analyze why the language <laughs> is used in the specific way that it is. But I think anyway, also. That's not yeah. the uh, that's not the part that we wanted to play anyway. So yeah. let's, let's play that one. That's me doing a Joker from Dark Knight. So this is like, I I just made a solemn vow. I mean, no one asked me to, but I just had to. Um, Ever since I showed this movie to several of my friends, we will just randomly say, like, I love to do the Joker or that's me doing the Joker. And like, just the phrase like, oh, that's me doing the Joker. Like, for some reason, (laughs) it's so funny to me. Again, like, ahead of his time this was before like the joker apocalypse yeah online. the joker pilled guys yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so like anytime i see like a, a joker meme i'll send it to the group chat and be like oh look he's doing the joker again look that's and, me from the, the joker yeah he's doing the joker <laughs> that's funny so i yeah because you can like i after he said it i'm like oh okay but well, he's just like walking like that, kind of stalking toward the camera, yeah, he, like, like flipping looks a knife. Uncomfortable while he's walking, and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> that's clearly me doing the Joker." So, and then later he's like, "I should be doing this whole thing as Bane <laughs> when he's wearing that giant coat." Yeah. So, um, shout out to Elliot and Joseph. That one's for you. Uh, we are all <laughs> on some level doing the Joker. <laughs> okay, I got one more. The point is, isn't this wicked? Yes. School shooting. <laughs> the catcher in the rye theme school shoes like we're planning a prom i feel like that could be the <laughs> subtitle to the movie as as catcher in the rye theme shooting it's like we're planning a prom yeah it's just <laughs> it's so it, it captures the humor so well um i love that it then comes back later where he's like hey after the crime is committed and we're like like i'm in jail and they're like trying to figure out what caused this They'll go through the library records and see that I borrowed a bunch of copies of Catcher in the Rye. So let's borrow <laughs> all the copies of Catcher in the Rye in the library. And Owen's like, "Why?" And Matt's like, "Because because <laughs> we'll, we'll, yep. we'll look like we'll look like insane people." And Owen's like, "Why do we want to look insane?" And Matt's like, because it's funny. And Owen's like, "I guess like just the continual <laughs> bit, like, even during the sort of more emotional sequence." Matt is speaking to his mom and discussing, like, yeah. you know, what does it mean to be insane or whatever. He's wearing the Catcher in the Rye shirt during that. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny to me. I know. The Catcher in the Rye thing is so funny, especially, like, since, in, like, the implication of checking out every copy of Catcher in the Rye does not imply you're reading the book, right? Yeah. Simply <laughs> that you are obsessed with the idea of the book, not that you, or maybe like you're, in the you're book caused you to do it. Or, like, you're starting a book club and you want yeah, to exactly. everyone has copies or, like... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's totally off-center. It's so freaking But funny. it also yeah. is, like, the weird, it, it's so real, though, at the same time, because as misguided as his intentions are, it's absolutely the kind of thing that you see in real-life true crime yes. stuff, where they're like, 
a week before the incident, this person rented this video game and played it for 10 hours straight or whatever. And do you it's think like, he was like trying it out? Yeah. Do you yeah. Think he was, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Do you think he was living vicariously through that? And it just wasn't enough. He had to read six at the same time and the rush still wasn't <laughs> enough. And he had to go out and do it himself. It's like, it's, it's so on the nose and it's so real. And I just love it so much. That's really good. Okay. We have reached the end of our discussion on the dirties. Um, as we do at the end of every episode, we will now deliver our ratings. Uh, B, what do you rate this movie? I rate um, this one of my favorite matte outfits during the dressing room montage, three neon watches and a rubber glove. <laughs> That's pretty good. I give this movie a theatrical release where Matt Johnson shows up at the end with a gun and politely answers your questions. I actually, I do want to say, that's one trivia thing I didn't mention. He showed this at a film festival and did a Q&A after, and apparently there were some people who were a little confused because they didn't entirely They thought that he was the yeah. actual, he yeah. actually got shot at people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of jumps. Well, considering how it starts, yeah, I can, I can understand that. Yeah. All right, B, real quick, uh, do you have any plugs for us? Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter. My username is NarrowStairs. Um, on Discord, it's the same thing, but I had to put an underscore at the front because of their stupid um, username system that they changed, and someone yes, presumably right. grabbed that before me for whatever reason. Um, if you, anyone has any questions or takes about the dirties, I am very politely asking you to talk to me and I will have a very normal conversation <laughs> with you about it and not ramble for infinite amount of time. I also do have a discord server um, for fellow Matt Johnson enjoyers that I've yes, set up. Um, which I am a part of as well. It's very fun there. You're so. welcome to pop in. It's mostly just like very badly edited memes and like speculation about what the next project's going to be. But we have some actual discussion there too sometimes. Um, next we are doing uh, I, I don't know what we're doing we plan out the whole year and now I have no idea we've got so mixed up but I think we might be doing 2001 next I'm not sure anyway you can subscribe to us on iTunes Spotify Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts affablechat.com is your new favorite website on the internet there you can find the latest from us and all our social accounts including our Twitter Instagram TikTok YouTube all of which are at affablechat and even our email address at affablechat, affablechat at gmail.com if you like this episode, then tell a friend about it. All I have to say is uh, I think I'm a psychopath. I've been reading Columbine, and I think I'm a psychopath. Um, and that's all. Thanks for listening. And thank you, B, for joining me today. Thank you for giving me an outlet for of everything I have to say about this. <laughs> of course. It's always such a joy to talk to you about Matt Johnson or about any other movie of you. So you're welcome back anytime.